0: Uh, this week is the last of our sermons before starting a new series, uh, Ask Me Why. And this week we look at a very similar section that we looked at last week as we looked at Colossians and where Paul says, put to death your old self, put on a new self. And here Paul is saying to the Ephesian congregation this time, you know, it's time, don't be foolish. You've got to kind of put your past behind you and move forward filled with the Spirit through Christ. This sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School. January 11th, 2015. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We have one more uh, sermon this week. I think I skipped ahead just a bit. Did I do that? Do I have a slide before this? I'm not very creative. Um, the. Um, so, so we start a brand new series next week, uh, Ask Me Why is what we're going to be, we're going to spend a number of weeks on that, talking about uh, why is our church here, why are we here as individuals, and I think you're really going to enjoy that. Uh, I even ordered some buttons, so that takes it to the next level, those should be here this week. And um, I spent too much time designing these buttons for how plain they are, so that's just keep that in mind. So how many of you have ever read Reader's Digest? Anyone read the, does anyone get Reader's Digest at their house? How many of your grandmothers get Reader's Digest? Like every I somehow, 30 million people are reading this and it's gotta be grandmothers because my grandmother had one and then it expanded to the large print edition. Whenever I see one, I usually pick it up. There's about a a few highlight sections that you read. What's your favorite section? Um, Humor in uniform, does anyone read that? I think that one's pretty good. What's it, laughter, the best medicine? Hundred word stories are okay. One of my favorite, and not quotable quotes, that's not that exciting. Um, my, one of my favorites is word power, as you can guess. And then a number of time back, they, had, they give you 20 words. Peter Funk, I don't know if he still does it. But Peter Funk gives you 20 words, and then you get four possible definitions, and you try and convince yourself you're someone intelligent by guessing the correct definition. That's kind of how it works. And a while back, he had one that had um, various foreign terms. So I'm going to test you on a few of these. So we've got about five, and we're going to test this out. Are you ready? De so does that mean new, fresh? Um, I think there is a redeemer. I hit the wrong button, perhaps. I mean, that's possible. What is going on? I'm hitting forward. There we go. Current of the day. And if any words are spelled wrong, now what no, it is funny? Oh, I took one out for efficiency. It says uh, number three is my congregation is anal and uh, French for dude. So which one do you think "de jour" means? It means three. That's right. I was trying to trick you, so I felt smarter. It does mean of the day. So usually it's the soup de jour. It's the soup of the day. So um, uh, caveat emptor is it of the ruler? Let the buyer beware. Uh, three. It is empty or carve eat emperor. Two, two, we got some, we got some for two. It does mean buyer beware. So this is Latin. And it's amazing if you've got a little bit of base language how well you can do. I play my niece. Uh, She she challenges me in a, I can't think of the name. It's a trivia game like on your iPhone, and then it goes back and forth. She played me in French. That was her trick. She knows she can speak French apparently, and so she took me on in French. But even if you have some base languages, you can figure some of these things out. So I beat her. I was pretty excited about that. Uh, But when it says like, uh, wee, 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 baguette, 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 LeBron James. And one of the options is basketball. You're like, it's got to be it. So then that's how it works. Okay, Magnus Opus, Magnum Opus. Great work. New, fresh. See, I'm running out of ideas. Uh, Tom Selleck mustache. Oh, that was three. So so what do you think? Is it great work? Uh, the Tom Selleck mustache. What is going on with this thing? Okay, it is, it is, I've got a pair of skis, uh, Mr. Pollard's Opus, so it means great work, magnum opus. Uh, persona non grata, person without a great. This, Yeah, if you're, you know, like in the street and they don't have a great. Um, an unwelcome person, uh, grading personality, I think I put three up there unwelcome so it's a person literally not uh with gra- grace or welcome so person not welcome is what it is in latin here is one i don't <laughs> i don't think would stump any of you are you ready so if you got all of these wrong uh even with my trickery carpe diem does anyone not know i don't even think i've yeah seize the day we all know this right so that was actually one on the test and i thought if anyone got this wrong there's no way so this means seize the day and that's kind of what we're talking about today With the Apostle Paul, he's writing to some people in the city of Ephesians or Ephesus, and he's saying to them, I want you to seize the day. He says it a little bit differently. And the way that he wants you to do that is two things. Know what the Lord's will is. You cannot kind of seize what you don't know what you're doing. And number two is to be filled by the Spirit. So we're going to be in uh, Ephesians, and Ephesians is known for two things. The town is known for two things. Does anyone have any idea what those are in the town of Ephesus? Yeah, now the real, now the real stuff... Get, yeah, Tanner. The port in Alexandria had the famous library, but the port, um, it does. Ephesus has an amazing port that's now silted up, so it's useless now. And that's why some guess that Paul actually... It says he's a tent maker. He worked with canvas. Some think maybe he made sails, Not actual like, camping tents, but sails for these ships. So they had this big port that went in. It was the center of, of trade. It's also really famous for a temple to Artemis. And does anyone know... Artemis. Artemis is famous for a couple things. One, if you want, read like the, the Piercy Jackson books, she's usually like this. She's the huntress. That's a great word. You get the best out just an occasion. Here is a statue rendition of uh, Artemis. So here she is. She's the, uh, the goddess of the hunt. So she's Artemis or Diana. There she has the deer in her hand. And some guys are like, wow, what a lady. She's She could just wear like this, you know, this cocktail dress and then go get go get animals. And then she's usually pictured that way. But there's another way that she's pictured. So you always think of her as the hunter or the huntress. So if you have a quiz, you should say huntress. There's another way that she's pictured, and this is from a statue in Versailles. Now you're trying to figure out what those are not oranges. She is also a fertility goddess. And the reason that they're saying, they're saying like the world, and you're like, why did you put that picture up there? Um, The kids are in Rock Kids. Um, The the picture is that it's through Artemis that the world is like kind of taken care of. And the ramification for this is when they went to worship. So this big famous temple, just when they went to go worship, part of that involved temple prostitutes. So you've heard that concept before. The idea is... Um, without getting to too much detail is the idea is if the world is going to be fruitful the human beings would have these relations with the temple prostitutes in order to get like the gods and goddesses in the sky in the mood so that they would like, fertilize and make the earth do well. So that's probably as much detail as we need. But you can imagine there's alcohol involved and you can imagine there's these illicit relationships that are happening. Why do I bring that up? Because this is the religion of the people. This is what they worshipped, and this is what they did. So Paul is writing to them. These are people who used to be part of this kind of cult and the pagan world. They used to be Greek. This is what their life was. And Paul now is writing them. Where did we spend most of our time when we talked about marriage? We were there for like, I think, how many weeks? 752? 752 weeks that we preached on marriage. And where did we spend most of our time? It was two places. One was Genesis chapter 2, and the other was Ephesians this very chapter right after the section we have today so imagine how the people felt just put yourself in their shoes for a second you this was your lifestyle before and now the apostle Paul is saying here's what we expect of marriage so they didn't grow up with these kind of values instead they had a different set of values while well, Paul lays this out so this comes from uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and he says be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So verse 16, it says, make the most of every opportunity. That's where we got the theme for today. Uh, I, we translate it in Latin as carpe diem. Did you know how the Greeks do it? I gave you a clue. Buy up everything at the market. So you, I put that as my sermon thing. You probably looked at it and said, that is the worst sermon theme I've ever heard. I agree, but I didn't want to spoil my thunder by giving away carpe diem. So it means buy up everything at the market and you can see that. If you've seen the movie, like a hundred foot journey, so you have seen the movie, 100-Foot Journey? Right in the beginning, they go to the market, and I can't remember, it was a fish or vegetable or mushroom or something that was really very good, and then they, they bought the entire thing. That was part of the deal. So you, the opportunity is there, you buy it. That's why I can't go to, like, the REI garage sale if I'm trying to save money. Because the opportunity, I am doing a disservice to humanity when the price is that good not to buy it. So I, I just have to totally avoid it. And this is what he's saying to you. As a Christian, I want you to make the most of every opportunity. Why? The days we live in are evil, which is kind of amazing, right? Does it seem like the world's getting better or worse to you? I would say it this way. Um, do you look forward to your... I'm raising my kids now. I had professors, and I've told you this, that said they can't imagine being a pastor. Like, they're, in, they're almost to the end of their career. They said they can't imagine just starting out to be a pastor in the world that we live in. I'm thinking the same thing. Um, I'm going to retire as soon as my house is paid off, so I've got 30 more years yet. And as soon as that is done, I can't imagine like if a grandchild of mine is now just going to become a pastor. Because the world, do you think it's smoothing, getting closer to what God wants or farther away? 2,000 years ago, this is about 30, 40 years after Jesus, he's saying, we live in these evil times. And the thing with evil times is, and why you have to make the most of every opportunity, is that's like the default. As human beings, we're not like um, inherently really good and we, like, slide towards the goodness. Instead, we slide towards the back. So let me give you an example. Uh, You're on a diet. And uh, do you usually slide towards good eating habits or away from good eating habits? All right, you said you want to be nice to people for the new year. Do you slide towards that? That's, like, the natural default? Or do you slide away from that? Um, You can think of a workout. Like, when you wake up in the morning, it's like, man, I can't believe I'm working out again. I just love this. This is my favorite thing in the world. Working out is great for a week. One week, it's awesome. Like, you get up early, you're like, I got renewed energy. And then week two rolls around, and you're like, how in the world? Right? You slide towards. And for the people who grew up this way, what do you think they slid towards? The will of God, or do you think they slid away from it? So Paul is saying to them, you you got to be really wise. you got to make the most of every opportunity. In a negative sense, if you are not asking yourself all the time, what is the Lord's will in this situation, you're naturally going to default away from it. Just like your food, if you're on a diet. Unless you're asking yourself, should I be doing this, you're going to slide away from it. So he says, do not be foolish. He said, don't be naive here. But understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Kind of an odd statement, isn't it? Why would he even bring that up? Well, part of this is their past, but part of it is as you're trying to... um, kind of go on this path and again I'm just going to use because it's the new year like a fitness program or a a diet you're on track right are you off all the time or you're doing great right you're doing great things are making good choices making good choices and like somehow two clock rolls around and you eat a whole cheesecake like it's not like you just have nibbles of the cheesecake throughout the day right I mean you know better you're like no I am strong I will stay away from this but then suddenly that happens there's certain activities that kind of derail what you're trying to do And the Apostle Paul is saying, when you walk with God, one of these things that derail you is drunk on wine. And I guarantee you, I'll give you an example. You eat better, I guess. I'm guessing you eat healthier when you're not drinking beer. That's that's just a hunch I've got, right? If you have two beers, I'm guessing your eating habits kind of go downhill. This is a guess. That's a guess. The same thing is true with your spiritual life. You're saying, I want to walk with God. And when there's something that takes away some of your inhibitions you're going to make choices that you normally will not make. And they, Paul warns a number of things. He says, don't get drunk on wine. He says, uh, be careful when it's dark out. And you're like, that's odd. Well, the reason is usually you don't wake up when the birds are chirping and you get involved in things you shouldn't get involved in. Right? This is things that happen at night as a later. I had a football coach that said, nothing good happens after midnight. So sit, possibly, he's quoting the Apostle Paul apparently. So right, this, this is true. There's something to that. Are there other things he could add to this list? Prescription drugs. Um, Could he add on sleeping in? Could he add in uh, Facebook? Yes. Um, Could he add in just like dorking away your day on your phone? As I mentioned how I played my niece on a phone game. But uh, there's all kinds of things that pull you away from what you want. The Apostle Paul is, don't be foolish about this. God has this in mind for you, and all these other things are going to pull you away from it." Instead, he says, I want you to be filled by the Spirit. Um, I've got a Bible, a devotional Bible at home. It's got a paraphrase, but the way that they say this, and I think it's a good way to say it, it says, be controlled by the Spirit. And the picture is, uh, not just don't fill yourself up with wine, but instead fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. And there's a benefit to that. What's the benefit? This benefit is if you're filling yourself with the Holy Spirit, you cannot serve the devil and you cannot serve God. You just can't do it you got to choose one or the other. You can't do both. Why is it that there's only one steering wheel when you drive a car? Have you ever tried driving with someone where they're grabbing on the wheel and you're like, will you stop touching the steering wheel? Because this is... How many of you have taken a driver ed test where they have one of those magic cars with the extra brake? I was supposed to go into... I I could still picture it. Like I was driving... My neighbor... uh, There's a long story with my driver ed guy, but um, he accused me of throwing... Just to tell you what a nice guy is... of taking I delivered the newspaper... He was angry because I was throwing the newspaper on his roof, which is a two-story roof. I'm like, I can hit your door from 30 feet away. I'm not too worried about it. So kids were in the neighborhood were chucking the roof uh, on the roof, and then I got in trouble for it. But anyway, he had a break, and I'm trying to steer. Now you're trying to like, just let it ease, you know, and somehow it's jerking. I'm like, what is happening? What is happening? And I couldn't do it, and then I realized he had a break. I didn't know it up until that point. The same thing is true, though, in your life. Are you going to let the Holy Spirit drive your life, or are you going to let the devil drive your life? There's only two options, and you can only pick one. The activities you get involved in are either driven by the spirit or driven by the devil. So where does this shake out to for the people that live in Ephesus and for us? They have a lifespan of things they look back on. Do you think this triggered anything when he says don't get drunk on wine, which they would have had these pagan festivals that lead to debauchery, and they had a pagan temple with prostitutes in it? When I say the word debauchery, or drinking, or prescription drugs, does that conjure anything up in your own mind? Are there things like, for lack of a better term, skeletons that kind of just kind of come up to your brain and things you're ashamed about? Activities that you've done, or things that you've seen, or movies you've watched, or relationships you tried to start and maybe didn't, or relationships you did start. Things you did as a teenager, things you did in college, things you did last night. For the people of Ephesus, I guarantee when he said these things, part of this welled up in their brain. And I think for each of us as sinful people, things well up in our brain. So logically speaking, we're in a position where if people knew, and I've said this before, if people knew everything about you, they wouldn't like you very much. Like, I mean, their only reason, it's like dating in a a sense. Like if people knew everything about you and every thought that you had, they wouldn't like you very much. So it's a logical jump, I think, just using your logic to say, okay, if people won't like me very much or people won't really forgive me or you're worried about that, you ask yourself, is God going to forgive me? So just use your logic. What is the Lord's will? The Lord's will is this. He wants every single one of you to be in heaven with him. The Lord's will is this. He wants you to have a different life than the path that you went on. The Lord's will is this. When you're so afraid to bring these things, we repent and bring these to the Lord. you know how he describes it? He says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far your sins are from me. God, I remember these things. I can't get rid of them, but God says, I don't remember them anymore. And literally, he's saying, this today is the first day in the, your new life with the Lord every single time you repent your sins to him. All those things in the past are completely gone. And he says, hey, we got a brand new relationship here. And the best part about God is there is no mask, right? There is no face. Instead, you say, God, here is who I am. And God says, I love you, not because of the mask you show me. I love you in spite of who you are. Come to my family. And the way that we grow in this relationship, so this is what Paul is talking about. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, songs from the Spirit. That's the old NIV. I can't believe I'm old enough to remember another translation better. Uh, Since and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The next verse is talking about marriage, like being filled with the Spirit. Doesn't it make some sense? Uh, how many hymns do you guys know? How many songs? How many Bible verses? I know we're in the age of like uh, access to information more than memorizing information. There's a reason why we encourage your kids to memorize some of the hymns. And we have the Bible memory program, which is not a lot, to memorize some passages. Because there comes a time that there's value, that you know God's words and his truth, and they're on your heart, and you can share those things. Uh, my mom's cousin, I'm sure I've shared you this story. Marklin, have I ever told you about Marklin? I think I probably have. So uh, Marklin's driving. I've never met him um, because he's driving South Dakota, fast, of course, it's South Dakota. And some other guys were goofing around. He wasn't a real popular kid, goofing around, and it flipped his car. Have I told you this before or not? Flipped his car and they didn't have seatbelts on or he didn't have a seatbelt on and his head goes out the window and it goes to a stop and he does not die instantly. Instead, he goes to the hospital. And my mom always tells the story. She's full of tears. What do you think brought Marklin comfort as he sat in the hospital with his great uncle? Is it it, like, Marklin, you're such a nice guy. Do you think that brought him comfort when he knows deep down where he sits? Marklin, you were always thought the best things and he knows deep down where he sits. Marklin, you always did the right thing, and he can think of all the wrong things he did. The thing that brought Marklin comfort was singing psalms and hymns with my great uncle. My mom says he wasn't that bright. He didn't have like a bright future, going to college and all these things, but he's bright enough to know on his deathbed the thing that bring you comfort are the words of God, not of human beings. Psalms and hymns and scripture. So my question to you is on this day, what is holding you back? Carpe diem. What does this mean? I mean, I know you're thinking fitness and stuff like that, but from a spiritual perspective, what is holding you back to learn more of God's Word? What's holding you back? What's holding you back to memorize a few more things? What's holding you back from when you get together with people to share, here's the truths of God? What's holding you back? Um, is it because you don't think you're smart enough to do it? You don't think you have the time to have devotions with your kids? You don't have the time to encourage people with God's Word? The Apostle Paul says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Get rid of all those things. God has come to forgive you. God has come to make you his child. God has has said, our life is, we're good here. This is what I want for you. Know what my will is and be filled with the spirit. Amen. Uh, Heavenly Father, so often uh, we take a look at our own life and we're embarrassed. I mean, there's skeletons in our own closets, things we've done and said and not always done the right thing. A couple of ways we can handle it, we can hide it from other people and uh, go on like that. But you ask us to confess our sins. So let's always be open and honest. Uh, find a true friend that we can tell these sins. And find someone who knows the, the hope we have in Christ because only in Christ... Do we have forgiveness? And you, in spite of who we are, you say you absolutely love us and motivate us this season to, to seize the day, not in a corny, cliche way, but instead seize the day as we look to be filled with your spirit and live your life that you have set apart for us. was still in the middle of the night, your eternal word, O Lord, descended from the almighty throne to dwell among us. May we receive him in the peace of forgiven hearts and proclaim your glorious goodwill to all people on earth. For he is God with us, Emmanuel, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May he who by his incarnation gathered things earthly and heavenly into one, Fill us with such joy that comes with the knowledge of forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.